Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. Our first reading today comes from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 5. Feel free to follow along as we listen for the word of the Lord. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the people a leader and commander for the people. See, you shall call nations that you do not know and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are reading familiar words from Matthew's gospel today. It is Matthew 14. I'm gonna start with 13 and go through 21. It is Matthew's account of the feeding of the 5,000. I invite you to listen. I invite you to see in your mind's eye that hillside, those people gathered, the words and actions of the disciples and of Jesus. Listen again with fresh ears, Matthew 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, and the this is that John the Baptist, his cousin, his friend, has been killed by Herod. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages to buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, uh, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass. 
Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So for time's sake, I gave the 845 service a quiz. I'm gonna read through some of these. I've done this before. These are prominent people who we would look at as successful who endured some hardships. There is a vacuum cleaner manufacturer who starts his name with Sir. Hmm, knighted by the queen. Anybody guess who this entrepreneur might be? I heard it. Dyson, right. Sir James Dyson. He makes high-end and fancy vacuum cleaners and now fans. He tried for 15 years and went through 5,126 prototypes in that 15 years before he arrived on his initial products. Now his company is worth 4.5 babillion. Here's another one. This musical artist was fired after his performance at the Grand Ole Opry and told, quote, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. It's Elvis. Elvis, yes. Thomas Edison, a holder of a thousand patents, was told by his teacher he was too stupid to learn anything. J.K. Rowling, broke, depressed, divorced, single mother, simultaneously writing a novel while studying and turned down again and again for what would become the Harry Potter series. And finally, we have to lift up Michael Jordan because amazingly, this arguably best basketball player of all time was cut from his high school basketball team. And his quote says, this is him, Michael, talking, I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I have been entrusted to take the game-winning shot and I missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life and that is why I succeed. I have to throw out Walt Disney because I, I can't, I can't not. A newspaper, his former newspaper editor told him, I quote, he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. So why failure today? What does this have to do with feeding the 5,000? It was a miserable failed event, friends, at first. Take Jesus out of it and let's take a look at it. So first, Jesus goes to grieve his friend, cousin, John the Baptist went off by himself. The crowds would not allow him to be by himself to grieve. And he was moved by what does the passage say? What moved him? Compassion, compassion. 
It's not wrath because they haven't been attending temple. It's not wrath because they are horrible, sinful human beings. It is not wrath because they have chosen to live their lives in certain ways. He had compassion for them because they were hurting. There was a need for the sick to be healed in a variety of ways. Jesus has compassion for them and that's what moves and motivates him to cure them and to teach what we assume is a large part of the day. Well, that's not failure, pastor. I said, take Jesus out of it. I'm just telling you what happened. So at some point, let's look at those who attended. There were 5,000 men, which when you include women and children could put the number up to 10,000. If you look at the Columbus Civic Center, it has 10,000 seats. Think of yourself in the Civic Center and think about feeding all those people five loaves and two fish. You can see why the disciples were skeptical. That's crazy talk. We couldn't feed that with the amount of people we have here. And it's far less than 10,000, just under that. So why during the day weren't those people on the hillside? Why didn't somebody out of those 10,000 think, you know what, I'm a little hungry. Why don't we run to the store? Jesus is gonna be here. He's doing his thing. Or maybe I've been healed already. I'm on the good side of things. Let's go grab something to eat. We'll bring it. You know what? Other folks are going to need it. Let's get it and bring it back. Failure of planning, of thinking about other people. Those people. Let's look at the disciples. What is their issue? What is the disciples' issue always in this stage? And we give them a hard time, but we would have been far worse and still we struggle and we know the ending and they did not at this point. They were looking at Jesus and thinking, all we have is a little bit of stuff. Five loaves, two fish. They had a bad case of nothing but. Now, it sounds like something you may wanna go see your doctor about, but in this passage, Jesus says, what have you got? And in Matthew's account, it, the little boy isn't here, that's John. They don't talk about going to canvas the crowd for what's there. So this is from the disciples. He asks, what do you have when he's asking the disciples, Jesus? So it is from the disciples that this bread and fish are given. We have nothing but five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, bring them to me. We suffer with nothing but on a daily basis, don't we? We always think we don't have enough, except we have a little bit. The but indicates we have some, but it's never what we want it to be. We're never in the stage we want to be to fully give ourselves to God because we don't feel worthy. We don't feel connected. We haven't fully given ourselves or tried or explored. We've given up prayer. We've given up Bible study. We've got nothing but the gifts that we've been given. Jesus is saying to the disciples, 
with your nothing but and me, we're gonna do miraculous things. And the disciples, to their credit, offered it up to Jesus. They didn't say, we're gonna keep it and just eat amongst ourselves. It, it won't even feed the 12, but we can each take a little piece. They offered up what they had and Jesus did miraculous things with it. But it was their failure that they learned from to not trust Jesus or they overcame that temptation not to give even their little pittance of what they had to Jesus. And Jesus blew their failures out of the water as he fed the world. Vicky and I just finished watching The Jesus Revolution. It is on Netflix. It's a movie, not a series. I would encourage you to see it. It is based on the true events of the late 60s, early 70s, what they call the Jesus movement, which was essentially hippies who were not welcomed into conventional churches. And so they kind of went out and started their own thing. It is based on real characters, uh, Kelsey Grammer, of Frasier fame, plays kind of the old school pastor whose daughter introduces him to these hippies. And he starts to facilitate and see that something is needed for this group of people who are not welcome in other churches because they are homeless, they are drug addicted, they are hippies. And that's come to be something fun and carefree for us now. Back then, and some of y'all remember that, it was radical and even scary. If we had 100 homeless, drug-addicted folks come to our worship, what would we do? I hope say hallelujah. But then, what else happens in the midst of that? Difficult. So it chronicles this movement, and there's a Jesus character. His name is Lonnie Frisbee. I said, no way there was a human being whose name was Lonnie Frisbee. Real person. And then Greg Laurie was a teenager in the midst of this movement, was converted through this movement and through his being mentored by Chuck Smith, Kelsey Grammer's character, started a church that became in Southern California, the Harvest Church and Harvest Ministries, still a mega church in Southern California. Real guy, Greg Laurie wrote all kinds of books several movies, and this, is, this movie was written from his autobiography, so it, that's what it is. Now, it ties things up pretty neat. I, I think it shows much less of the struggle and some of the difficulties, but it was based in truth and seemed to return to what they called the basic understanding of Christian values that then started a movement not just in Southern California, but around the country, and in some cases around the world. So there is one scene where Kelsey Grammer as a factual pastor, Chuck Smith, has chased the Jesus character Lonnie away. He's not Jesus, he's very human. And he started to have thoughts that this was all about him, and so uh, the pastor said, you need to go take a break. I'll talk to him. By now, this old traditional church had to put a tent in its yard to welcome all of the hippies and young people that have come 
to listen and be a part of a faith community. He is terrified. He is older. He doesn't know how to speak to them. And he chased off the one person they've been coming to see. And he's terrified. He's doubting his own call before he goes out to speak to them. And his wife leans over and says to him, don't be so arrogant to think that God can't work through your failures. Oh. Don't be so arrogant to think that God can't work through your failures. At times, we are so reluctant to give our loaves and fishes to God because we think they're not worthy, or what is my little pittance? How can it change the world? Or maybe as individuals, as families, as friends, as churches, we have made mistakes and we have failed. So we're afraid to try again. And this wise word from this pastor's wife to this uncertain pastor says, don't be so arrogant to think that God doesn't work through your failures. It's not what God wants, but God wants us to be trying, knowing that failure is a part of success, as Michael Jordan said. I succeeded because I failed so much. If we're not failing, we're not trying, and we are paralyzed, and that's what we cannot be. So today, as we look at this story in the beginning of a new year, friends, students, teachers, families, we're all gonna make mistakes. We're all gonna fail. It is a part of life. Our job is not to dwell on them, but to learn from them and then see how we can learn and grow into being the people, the families, the friendship groups, the church that God is calling us all to be. All of you have a few loaves and a few fish of gifts that God has given you. The courage comes to offer that up to Christ and let him break it and bless it and do miracles with it. So with open hearts, with courage in the classroom, in the place of business, in this church, let us be courageous enough to offer our fish and our loaves knowing that God works through both our successes and our failures. Hallelujah. Amen.